0: Again, I am I am sorry that we can't be together uh, for worship. Uh, it was our hope that we could continue to to meet after we had restarted in late June, but. But in listening to our governor's uh, press conference and as well as in consultation with our bishop who has asked that all Mississippi Methodist churches close, we felt it was best to go ahead and cancel services. We're meeting together this Monday night with our administrative council and our leaders will continue to meet and look for a day when it's, it's safe for us to return and when we'll, when, we'll, when we'll be able to make sure we're not doing any harm by being Uh, together. So let's make sure to be faithful, to pray for one another, continue to check on one another in our small groups, and our Sunday school classes. Please connect with us as your pastors and as your staff. Let us know how we can walk with you uh, during this season. We're going to continue this morning in our ABCs of Christianity series. What are are those basic things that we are to do? What are those basic things we are to believe? And also, as we started last week, what are some of those basic temptations that we are to avoid? And so that's what we're looking at. We're at the letter M. I know some of you are anxiously wondering what are we going to do when we get to the letter Q or X or Z. Uh, hopefully in a few years we'll be able to do that together. But what's this common struggle in M? Just as it was when we looked at last week in L, to long for, to look at, to lust. This is another common temptation that comes to all of us that we are to avoid. And, and the issue is being in the middle. Now listen, there there are several times that we are to be in the middle. You definitely see it as being a good Methodist and a good Wesleyan, we're to be in the middle when it comes to theology. John Wesley was just key, it was key for him, the, the central tenets of the faith. What was believed in the first 500 years of Christianity, and those are the things that we are to be Hyper about. So it's not that we're not zealous. It's not that we're not hyper about doctrine. In fact, Paul says, and we looked at some of this last week. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them. 1 Timothy four sixteen. But some of these things that are non essentials, right? What do we believe about the end times, or what do we believe about predestination? Some of those things are on the edge. There's no. There's no place to be hyper about those things. But on the core essential truths, sure, we want to be, as Wesley reminds us, in the middle of those things. Also, there's a practical word here, and you see it in the Sermon on the Mount, that's where we are. A practical reminder, too, that as believers of Christ, as followers of Christ, we are called by Christ himself to get in the middle and to stand in the gap for others. There's a right time for that. It's what our Savior did for us. It's what our Savior did for us when He, when he descended to, to be incarnate so that He could live among us and be a high priest who understood what our weaknesses were. He did it for us on Mount Calvary when He took his, his life and gave it to His Father, when He took our sins on His shoulders and bore them for us. He has a ministry of getting in the middle. And then after that, He ever stands, as Scripture reminds us, as our intercessor. Getting in the middle And praying for us, interceding for us. That's his life, his ministry, and his life is to be our life. His ministry is to be our ministry of of standing in the gap, getting in the middle for our church, for our children, for our family, for our country, even for, as you just read throughout Matthew 5 through 7, standing in the gaps in terms of our giving, in terms of our praying even loving and praying for our enemies, standing in the gap and being in the middle for our culture to be salt and to be light. Here's word about how to be, you wanna talk about what's tough getting in the middle? Be a peacemaker. Can you get in the middle and be blessed are the merciful? So all throughout Matthew 5 through 7, we're seeing this great ministry that we're called to. There are times to step in in the middle and so many times getting in the middle is messy as you see it in the life of Jesus and it costs as you beautifully see that in the sacrificial gift of Christ for us on his cross. I was a youth pastor just across uh, the spillway at St. Mark's on the reservoir right out of college. I served there three years. And in a gap of the last two, two years of ministry there I went to six funerals. For students. Five of those students were either in my youth group or, or had at least visited my youth group. It was a hard and heartbreaking season of ministry. One of the students that I, I knew but he had never visited our youth group was a very charismatic kid. Uh, he was a great football player, was being recruited. Everybody knew this student. Everybody loved this student. He was at a club in Jackson and there was one guy who was being very aggressive with his girlfriend, and this student chose to stand in the middle for her, and it cost him his life. Getting in the middle can be costly. When it's the right call, when it's of God, church, we gotta get in the middle. We gotta get in the middle for people who are on the fringes, we gotta, you just see it throughout here, get in the middle for those who are struggling. That is the call upon the believer's life. When it's of God in the right time, get off the sidelines and get in the middle. Not just for those that we love, not just for our church family, but for a lost culture be salt and light, for those on the edges to stand in the gap for them. Matter of fact, that's what God does not just in Christ at Calvary, but what we see in Matthew 5 through 7 is this reminding that that is his life. When Jesus is talking here about the kingdom of God, and He talks, or the kingdom of heaven in Matthew, when he talks about that, you see it over and over again that his kingdom is to break into all of life, that God wants in, that God wants into our messy world world. Matter of fact, that's how he even starts it, is my kingdom has to be first. Verse 24 of our passage, you can't serve two masters. My kingdom has to be first, and that's how he closes it basically in verse 33, that you seek first the kingdom. In all these areas, you seek first the kingdom of God, that the kingdom wants to come close. It actually starts in Genesis 1 where God gives us this kingdom mandate to subdue and to rule, that his kingdom, his, his, his presence, his leading is to be in everything, and Jesus picks up on that here and reveals that everything is to have the kingdom in it, as Corey beautifully prayed for us this morning. Yes, God, you're above all, but you're, you're with us, and he wants to be with us. And that's the problem is the last couple of hundred years of of Philosophy has taught us, you can't believe that. That somebody whose name actually meant God with us, Immanuel Kant said, you know what? There's kind of this wall, and God's transcendent, but you can't know him here. Everything's up to a best guess. You really can't know his wall. And we've just kind of lived with that reality for several centuries now. That somehow we, and it can even slip into a believer's life, that there's parts of this world that are too messy for God. The Greeks believe that. The flesh is messy. Do whatever. It's just the mind that matters. Modern-day philosophy does the same thing. How does that creep into your life? You do that with work? Where you say, you know what? Work, that nine-to-five stuff, that's of this world. It's messy. I can do what I need to do to get by in this dog-eat-dog world. Now, after hours, those are God's. Even though God is a worker, God created work, Jesus probably was a business owner, but we can do that, can't we? We can kind of split or bifurcate reality. And you see several issues with that here in Matthew 5 through 7 on the Sermon on the Mount. We talked last week about lust. And we can do that in, in the West. We can kind of split that up. That's just kind of a physical thing. Even the pagans, if you've been reading in our Bible reading plan, even the pagans, excuse my language, had prostitutes at the temple. They never would split sexuality from God. But that's kind of what we've done in the West. These two people just do whatever. It's physical. It's fleshly. God has nothing to do with that. And Jesus says here last week, Sermon on the Mount stuff, don't lust not just with your life, but don't even lust in your heart. Can, can we give him that part, a, a, a critical part of our lives, of romance or sexuality? Can we give that to him? I had heard again this past week from my family uh, Sarah's parents shared the story of uh, my mother-in-law's mom uh, who, had, who had a medical test just before they got married. They were about to go on the mission field. They were going to get married to go on the mission field to Brazil. Her husband was just gifted by God to reach people for the kingdom. I could tell you story after story of just incredible spiritual things, the way that God worked through him not just to reach people but even against principalities pretty wild scary stuff but that medical test revealed that she had a heart condition and here they are engaged about to go to the mission field and it's my understanding she wrote him a letter and released him released him from his pledge to her of marriage she released him why because the kingdom's first. The kingdom comes first. Now, he still married her, and they went to, went to Brazil for a long season of fruitful ministry. But can I say, with everything, even in this, it's not my fleshy life, it's not this worldly thing you don't want to be disconnected about, but you want to be a part of everything, and every decision is under your kingdom mandate. Matter of fact, he's setting this whole passage up when it comes to money. And I know we don't like to talk about it, but Jesus actually talks about kingdom probably more than anything, but money and hell are the next two top subjects. And that's how he sets up this discussion. If you go back and just read a few verses prior to this, he's talking about money. And that's what sets up the do not lay up treasures for yourself. That's what sets up do not serve two masters, our our section here of this. And y'all listen, the stats are not good. The stats are not good in terms of how we let Christ's kingdom impact and let God get in the middle of money. Uh, Muslims and Jews give more to their religious homes than we give to our church families. Uh, We're told that uh, about a third of American Christians don't give anything to their church family. It's interesting, when you look at the Great Depression numbers, they gave 25% more of their income to their churches than we do today. And that's before all this recession. This This is information from two years ago. We struggle there. And interesting, we struggle with our affluence. When you look at tithers, that small number of believers who are tithers, when you get up to $75,000 of income, that number begins to decline rapidly. The higher you go, the less people tithe. The more we have, the harder and the struggle it is to release it for kingdom purposes. But God, you see it here with Jesus, he's wanting to get in the middle of everything. He brings up relationships. He brings up money. He brings, and just all this, how we deal with enemies. What do you do with that? So much of this passage, what do you do with broken relationships? What do you do about marriage? What do you do about doctrine? What do you do about all of that? God wants to get in the middle. Y'all, that's good news. He's not like those other so-called gods who could care less about us, but he wants his kingdom to break out in the middle of everything. Nothing's restricted from, from him, and praise God for that. He is a God who wants to be in the middle, and Jesus begins and ends by saying, no two masters, seek ye first the kingdom. Praise God that he wants to get in the middle, but it is a gut check for us. As I look across my life, and just looking across Matthew 5 through 7, as well as the whole council of Scripture, but here there's so much in my marriage, in my temptation, with my resources, with how I treat people, with how I treat people that are different. All of that falls under his kingdom mandate. He wants to be in the middle, and that has to be first. All right. So as we go through this, there, we want to be in the middle of theology, there are times that God calls his church to stand in the gap and be in the middle for others. God wants to be in the middle of all of our stuff, all of it. But then there's sometimes, too, and this is a pastoral word, and I need, your, I need, your, I need a favor from you. This is kind of like Paul in, in 2 Corinthians, uh, or 1 Corinthians. A few times he'll say, hey, this is just kind of my opinion. So for one moment, I want to talk to you as your pastor about there are some times to get out of the middle. And it's a pastoral word that comes up here and elsewhere that, that I don't want us to miss. Um, when I was at St. Mark's, that was the first time I ever went whitewater rafting on the Akoe River. And our bus driver, we were the first... Uh, group that was going to be on the river that day and so the bus driver for some reason had us up at a real early time I guess just making sure we could get there on time and we got there hours before we were supposed to this is a river that's controlled by they open waters every day from the dam up the river and so it is a it's a dam controlled river and so the water's not let out it's, it's let out first thing in the morning. What we got to see is we're driving alongside, and that, that trek had you driving alongside the river. We got to see was it, what was at the bottom of the river. The water was just being released as we were coming in, and you got to see every jagged rock. Now, when you get on the river, you don't see any of that. I mean, you see some rocks, but, you, but, but because we drove up early, I could look over and just see all of that danger that was under that exhilarating and fun whitewater rafting trip as a pastor and and years of walking with people I I can see under I can see the dangers of getting in the middle when we're not supposed to get in the middle and you've you've known that too you've walked that too you've been burned by that Uh, you've been worn out by that or you've been in a place you shouldn't be because you wanted to get in the middle and it was not of God we can be tempted sometimes even well intended to get in the middle and it not be of God sometimes we can do that or be tempted to do that to shoulder other people's burdens when it is not ours uh, so we can feel better about ourselves can we just be honest and say that I'm going to take all this on woe is me I'll be the martyr just so I can feel better about myself. And so that self-giving or looks like a self-giving act can actually be selfish and do harm. So we need the Lord's wisdom and discernment. When do I get in the middle? When do I need to get out of the middle? Let me tell you something. Again, we need to get all in the middle. I've got our staff racing right now. We Just like every job description and every business in the world we have that other duties as assigned clause right at the end our staff we are we are pulling that clause out left and right during these last three months and our staff are beautifully and wonderfully doing things that are not their job but they're scrambling to serve our church they're scrambling to serve our community they're scrambling so we can help serve the world during this season there are times to get in the middle but what we're seeing throughout all of Scripture and I've seen it too often, is we can get in the middle when it's not our spot. Paul says to the church in Galatia, chapter 6, verse 2, yes, bear each other's burdens. Get off the sidelines. Care for people, not just you, not just your family, but the church and culture. Bear one another's burdens. But in the very same breath, you can't get two or three sentences below that when Paul says to that same church, Everybody needs to carry their own load. And people would love to share their load with you and let you carry it, and we're tempted to carry it for a variety of reasons. Maybe so we'll feel better about ourselves, but sadly sometimes maybe we'll, we'll share in those things so that we can control those things or control people. We are constantly tempted Uh, to get in the middle of places where we are not to get in the middle. If you've been following our Bible reading plan, we just had the story of Solomon where two women came before him one day and each of them said a certain child was theirs. And Solomon said, I'm not getting in the middle of this. Tell you what you can do. And this is horrific to hear. Just cut the baby in half, give them each a half of the baby. And that was solved just like that because he didn't put himself in the middle. I heard a dean say it. My son's orientation at college it was a warning really he told a story about when he was in college a danger for parents of getting in the middle too often to control to keep their children safe and so he said he was in college and he had run out of gas on a back road and he walked to a farmhouse and called his dad said hey I'm up here in Starkville I've run out of gas what do I do can you help me out and the dad said are you okay he said, yeah, I'm fine. And the dad said, good, and hung up the phone. Bear each other's burdens, yes. Carry your own load. Now listen, we live in a different day where we actually have to get in the middle a bit with our kids more. And that's, there's something right about that because predators and different people can come at them in a variety of ways. So it's okay for us to be in the middle sometimes. But I also wonder sometimes parents, and this is another sermon for another day, sometimes we're giving our kids too much too early. And we're not letting them be kids anymore. And again, we're putting them in the middle where they shouldn't be just yet. But Paul says to the church, Jesus is reminding us here, how, how, how it, as much as we're to be in the middle and sometimes, how, how critical it is for us to get out of the middle if it's not where we're supposed to be. Look, I, I have that temptation as a pastor. Partly, I want to be in the middle and get my way sometimes, and I have to pull myself back from that. But sometimes you all pull me into these discussions and decisions about carpet color. I've told you, I'm colorblind. You don't want lime green carpet in here. But there is that temptation to pull. Put, put, Put everybody in the middle in places that are not their load to carry. Can you hear that today? Again, this is a pastoral word. This isn't directly, I, I know that from Scripture, but as much as we're seeing his kingdom is to be in the middle, that there are times for us to get in the middle. As a pastor, having looked at the bottom of the Akoi River, I see the damage that is done all the time because of codependency. The damage is done all the time. You just name all those things about getting in the middle when we're supposed to not be in the middle. And by the way, part of the reason to be careful about that middle Jesus does address that here. And he addresses it throughout the Sermon on the Mount, especially in this this chapter. You get out of the middle because you are not to take on the glory of God. You get out of the middle so he can be in the middle. If you go back to what he says about uh, uh, prayer life, get out of the middle. How, How is it, if I look at my prayer life, you look at your prayer life, How much of that prayer life is about needs? That's wonderful. Take that to him. Cast your burdens on the Lord because he cares for you. His scripture is clear about that. Jesus is always inviting people to bring their needs to him, right? But in this section, Jesus is talking about anxiousness and anxiety. He mentions that word five times in just 11 verses. He says, don't do it. Don't let that control you or get to you. Bring that anxiety, again, to him. He wants to hear about that. But get out of the middle of your own prayer life. We need times of adoration, just adoring who God is. We need times of thanksgiving, thanking him for what he's done. But I don't know about you, but are you tempted like me that most of your prayer life can be about me? Get out of the middle. Put Christ in the middle. By the way, when we do that well in our life of adoration and thanksgiving, it tends to give me, and it will you, a better perspective on all those requests and supplications that I'm making and that you're making. Get out of the middle, not just in our prayers, but even when we serve. And that's here in this passage as well. What are you talking about? I want to serve the Lord. I want to serve people who are hurting. That's great, but get out of the middle. Jesus will one day, and he's been very clear about that, he'll honor those who visited him in prison He'll honor those who who helped him when he was sick or his people were sick. But Isaiah is very clear to us, chapter 42, verse eight. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or praise to idols. And the temptation's here, right? You serve God, you stretch for God, you risk for God. And and it'd be nice if somebody noticed that. And so he says to us earlier in this passage, don't you go on the street corner and pray. Don't you let your left hand know what your right hand uh, is doing. And he has to say that because that's a common temptation. I want to be noticed. I always, those videos of soldiers coming home, you want to see your pastor cry, play one of those for me. My dad served in Vietnam, my grandfather served in Korea in World War II. And I watch those videos, and my heart just breaks when soldiers surprise their children coming home, and they'll have a film crew there, or somebody with a family will have a cell phone, and they'll 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 tape that. I saw a beautiful reunion recently of a a soldier surprising, and this is an older student. So these kids should have known better. Surprising is. Son, hadn't been home in a year or two in a very dangerous spot, comes home and just watching that kid jump on his dad and throw his arms around him and just that emotional moment. And you know what was right behind him? There's at least three or four kids on either side making faces, flashing funny gang signs, doing whatever, right? Because it's the temptation in our culture. We're just consumed with, look at me notice me this special moment I almost want to say sacred moment almost it's father and son reunited after years of not seeing each other and, uh, but I still need to be noticed even with well intentioned missions and serving that, that can happen to a church it can happen to us Jesus says not in the street prayer closet don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing Jesus will honor our serving one day for sure But he says to us, get out of the middle. These are some wonderful words, but I also understand there's some challenging words this morning. As we get hyper about anything when it comes to theology, let's make sure we're getting hyper about what's in the middle. Who is Jesus? How are we wonderfully saved? What are the ABCs of how we're to respond to him? Those things, the middle things, that's what we need to be zealous about. We need to get off the sidelines and find ways to serve not just God but get in the middle for family, for church family, for our neighbors, for our community, for the world. How is it you and I, as Christ stood in the gap for us, how are we standing in the gap and getting in the middle when God has honored that? How is it I am, you are bearing the burdens of others for sure? And then how is it you and I need to respond to this word that just God wants to be in the middle of of everything. Even though our culture says no. Even though our culture says this is just worldly stuff, fleshy stuff. You can do whatever here, but then on the church stuff. That's a real temptation that's come to all of us. And as we look around, it seems like our whole culture has fallen for that. We have such a good God who says, my kingdom, my son's kingdom, wants to be in your mess. Praise God for that. He wants to be. But he also should be. He has to be. If we're going to honor God with our lives and our our attitudes and our our resources and with those people who have hurt us, all of that has to be under his kingdom mandate and principles. God's got to get in the middle. But also, how is it this morning you need to hear, you know what? I realized I've kind of, I haven't let this person carry their own load. And I need to get out of the middle. I'm doing them harm. I'm doing me harm. Maybe I'm getting in the middle of even God's glory. I'm shining a light on me. I don't want to do that. I want to be salt and light, but, but I don't, I don't want to get his, his glory. How do you and I need to hear that today? It's an ABC thing in the Sermon on the Mount. It's an ABC thing. There are times in the middle, but Holy Spirit, and by his, by his word, Help us to know when it is we need to get out of the middle. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for your word, for what you say in and through your Son, Jesus Christ, to us. And we do pray for your Spirit's wisdom, where He would prompt us. He would prompt us in our doctrine about believing the heart and the essentials of the faith. But He would also prompt us to see the needs around us, where we, like your Son, can serve others, where we, as kingdom people, can, can, can bless and help and stand in the gap. Father, we praise you and we thank you that you've not left us alone, that you're not just above us, but Father, you're with us. And help us to look at every aspect of our life. It's so beautifully laid out here in Matthew. So many things that Jesus touches and says, God's kingdom wants to be there. God's kingdom wants to be there. Help us to search our own hearts and our own lives, our own schedules. And to see, where are we missing your leading? We want to seek first your kingdom. We want no other master. So Holy Spirit, help us to respond to that as well. Just give us your insight. Give us your discernment on on where we've gotten in the middle. Either stealing your glory or taking on things that are not ours. We don't want to do harm, Father. And so we just pray for your help in that. For all these things, we pray. Uh, for your leading. We pray for your help as we respond. Ultimately, we pray for Christ and for his glory in our response. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us now and always. And all of God's people said, amen.